Good afternoon, good afternoon, good afternoon. You know what that growl indicates it is time for another installment of the KG and Silver Wildcat and Dr. Gabriel podcast. How are you, fellas? Let's go right into it. Doc, what's on you? Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. I'm being rude. Doc, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you. I appreciate it. Wildcat, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty good, dog good. I'm doing pretty doggone good today. That must mean a pretty good thing when you when you start to forget the guy that's new coming in. It means I feel more like a record. Yeah. You've earned your stripes, sir. Especially you have earned your stripes. You have earned your stripes. We'll get into all other stuff later on, but the seasons have started. We're going to get right into it. Wildcat, since you are the college sports reporter, you're a college sports reporter thing, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Women's soccer was the first collegiate sport in the local area get kicked off this weekend, and here we are with some scores. Women's soccer, sir. SFA 1, Wright 0, Tulsa 2, HBU 1. North Texas 9, TSU 1, Lamar 3, Preview 2, U of 8 2, Texas A&M Corpus Christi 1, and men's soccer. Yes, we have men's soccer in the area. HBU 2, SMU 2, and a, and a meal. And also today going on as we speak is a game between women's soccer, U of 8, and Georgia. And right now it's Georgia up 2-0 two, two into the second half. And, KG, what do you have to say? What went on? We're going to talk about uh, a few other things. But, Doc, we did not touch on this in the last podcast. Two weeks ago, we, you had a teaser for the listeners. So uh, is it okay for you to say, to discuss the name of that 10th TC quarterback? Yeah, it's not actually the 10th one, but it's still a teaser at this point. The uh, coach, Asbury, will not allow me to release the name. so. It'll be interesting, but I do want the fans to know that if I had it, I'd give it out there. Uh, but keep your eyes open. It should be interesting to see if this actually is going to make a difference in the Labor Day class. And let's touch on that. I'll let you and uh, the Wildcat talk about the more details of the Labor Day Classic. They had the uh, press conference on Thursday, a few days ago, when Black came to town to an over at Reliance Stadium to announce the uh, football championship. championship and the basketball as well. It's going to be at the uh, Toyota Center in March. So, fellas, how about it? Well, let's just start with, first of all, um, I didn't get the uh, info until late, so I didn't make the uh, press, uh, the, the presser. So I understand everybody was there, and by who, what, whatever situation, communication broke down, I think it was very bad, only because it is an election year, and our mayor was there and involved. So that meant that all the commissioners, you know, the, the commissioners were involved, El Franco, Lee, uh, you know, everybody else showed up. That was a political that uh, wanted to be involved, that looked to be involved in all in this, uh, bringing the uh, SWAC championship, both the men and women uh, tournament here in the, in the spring, and the football championship coming up uh, in December. And I was so glad to see that they finally put a ticket price to the uh, both to the event. And at fifteen dollars, I spent a hundred dollars for some uh, for about six seven people to go, you know, to, to watch because if nothing more, it'll be something they hadn't seen and they and they need to be. Uh, uh, Welcome to the HBCU. I definitely agree. As you said, there was a lot of dignitaries there. President Rudley for Texas Southern University was there. Uh, the athletic director, the new athletic director, Craig A&M, he was in the house uh, getting it done. A couple of coaches uh, from uh, the uh, SWAC institutions were there. Obviously, Commissioner Dora Sharp of the SWAC was there. As you said, a lot of the political people were in the house. You also had the uh, vice presidents and uh, high-level executives for both uh, the Toyota 
a center in terms of the basketball being announced, pretty much there celebrating what they were doing in terms of announcing the Toyota uh, SWAC championship at Reliant. Uh, so those officials who were there, all the things were really in place. I did hear one uh, uh, concern, particularly from Texas Southern University, was they had the helmet there, but it didn't have the logo on it. Uh, from from that, so that was some uh, uh, people that were a little concerned on that. But all in all, I think it was a great event in terms of who was there. My understanding that Rudley definitely uh, was on high demand, taking a lot of pictures with a lot of those dignitaries and those political people that they wanted to see their face in the place uh, with President Rudley and all that he's doing to ensure that the SWAC championship game should be a success. But that was a good thing to see. Uh, that the power broker was there, a lot of the uh, officials in terms of people that are interested in doing some of the supplementary uh, uh, events with it were there as well in terms of the marketing and those kind of things. So it was really exciting to see. The one thing that I found out there, and, uh, also, and I found this out on Friday, uh, at the uh, SWAC, uh, at TSU's women's soccer game, that the uh, SWAC, Women's soccer championship will also be held here. It was just and uh, it it is the location for the for the uh, uh, tournament is at the Houston Athletic Sports Complex on uh, South Kirby and Airport. It's between 288 and Alameda, yeah. and it's where the uh, uh, Dynamo's practice facility is, off of uh, of South Houston. Really and nice facility. Very nice, very nice. Uh, it's got quite a few fields, uh, night lights. Uh, it's it's being, uh, very nicely uh, located as far as getting to it from Alameda and from from uh, uh, 288. You can't miss it because it's the only thing that's out there, and it's got lights up. You can't miss it. Um, it's a very nice facility, like I was mentioning earlier. But it's interesting that all of a sudden, now that the combination of uh, President Rudley and uh, A.D. Uh, McClellan, uh, things are getting done at Texas Southern. They are pretty much, uh, as someone once told me uh, once before, uh, years ago, when it comes to conferences, when you're moving around, or if you intend to establish and set your brand, you need to make some, uh, yourself relevant. And it looks like Texas Southern is on the way to getting that done. No question about it, because this is a second welcome, and Texas Southern is full effect to that. In fact, another mountain we can give everybody in terms of the uh, Labor Day, Classic Media Luncheon will be tomorrow at 11 a.m. That is the West VIP Club of BBVA Compass Stadium. Again, that's 11 a.m. tomorrow. That's August the 26th. Uh, the West VIP Club, BBVA Compass Stadium for the Labor Day Classic Media Day Luncheon. Well, uh, now, I'm going to ask a question, and I'm going to turn it over to KG. Why was it changed from Tuesday to Monday? I don't know exactly why it was changed from Tuesday to Monday, but you also got to remember that you have the uh, big events on Wednesday in regards to, because usually it was on a Thursday, Friday, but you also have the uh, luncheon at the Power Center in regards to the traditional uh, Houston um, uh, touchdown club, club, thank you, and their event. So that may have been something to kind of make sure they kind of spread everything out between those two events. Gentlemen, gentlemen. You touched on it briefly. The Labor Day Classic is uh, this Saturday, August 31st. Give me your take on who's going to win and why. Well, first of all, I'm going to start with a quarter of the position. I'm going with Fairview because of that fact. Um, I went out to watch the scrimmage on yesterday. 
um, at Texas Southern. Uh, as was mentioned earlier by Dr. Goville, they went round and round, um, but nothing is set in stone. And since it's, we're getting a game week, and they've got, by this time next week, something should be, you know, it'll all be over with. But right now, I'm looking at, uh, I'm going to have to say preview just because of the quarterback position. I think that's a very solid pick. Let me give you some framework for where I'm coming with my pick. Uh, last year, obviously, Texas Southern's full record was 2-9, and 2-7 and seven in SWAT. They had three, two last-minute field goals that brought them victories. One of those victories was in the Labor Day Classic over Prairie View last year. Key losses, though, for Texas Southern, Rico Smalls, quarterback, Harry Bound, wide receiver, James Davis, wide receiver, William Parker at the linebacker position. We just talked about those two big field goals, Robert Hirsch, the kicker, he has ended his eligibility. You have Derek Purdy, defensive back, who was a fifth-year guy, so that was big. Ray Rodriguez, offensive line, Taysen McFarland, offensive line. So they lose a lot, quite a bit over there at Texas Southern. In fact, when you look at the starters returning, they have only six on the offensive side, nine on the defensive side, and one on the special teams, which kind of alludes to maybe some of the things that you've seen going on practice that gave you some major concerns. So those are some of the things I'm looking at. But we have to say, what about the people to watch? Key players to watch, Edwards, Perkins, Loving. We've seen how he how hard he ran the ball last year. He's back. They had that Juco running back, I told you, one of the best in the nation. Keep saw your him. eye on him. Saw him yesterday. Fred, Fred Plummer at the wide receiver position. You have a, a fifth-year Billy Rosenberg tight end. Also played basketball. Tell you about his feet and his hands as you look at Chris. Those types of things. You have Corey Carter coming back as a kicker. Jarius Moore, linebacker. Trey Walker, defensive back. And Tevin Wilcox, which is a graduate student defensive back. Have to give him a shout-out. He's actually a graduate of the sport management program over there at Texas Southern, where I happen to be the guy in charge of that. So just a little love that I need to give him out there. So now, you say the other side, Prairie View. I say Prairie View for last for a couple of reasons, and I'll bring it to your attention. Record overall, 3-8, and 3-6 and six in the SWAT. Doesn't seem like a lot, but uh, they only lost five of those eight games by a total of seven points. So they're maybe a little closer than people think, uh, even though that. Well, I gave you the poll stance last year, and I'm at this year for preseason, I had ten. Some of the reasons why, I have to give them those key losses. Spencer Nelson, a big-time wide receiver, came up with a lot of plays. That will hurt them. Langston Patterson on the offensive line, Brian Medlock, a defensive back, Elton Holmes, linebacker, Jarvis Reed. Defensive lineman is gone, but on the offensive side, they return nine guys. Defense five, they do have a new coach on the defensive side, which is the same thing with uh, Texas Southern in terms of the coach would be interesting there. Special teams, they have two guys in terms of key returning at that point. So that will do it in terms of what we're going on there. So I will let you know in terms of players to watch. DeAndre Smiley, a quarterback, big-time guy coming back. Jerry Lovelock, quarterback, also coming back. So they have depth at the quarterback position. Trey Glover, offensive lineman. Dylan Bonnet, offensive lineman, coming back. So they solid on the offensive line with some things I think is big time. Look at the running back position. Courtney Brown is returning. Fred Anderson is returning. Jerome Howard, a linebacker, is solid. Chris Barrett, he won a game by himself. Howard, two years ago as a freshman there. Chris Barrett, a kicker. Travis uh, Jakowski is there. Jatlow, excuse me, uh, the punter there. Dante Hubert, running back specialist, who had some big plays. Those are key guys. And when you put all that together, I say it's going to mean that Prairie's going to find the one to get a way to get this done in terms of I think they just have more offensive power and will be a little more solid on the defensive side of the ball. And so that's my pick. All right. Well, 
Labor Day Classic preview. That's on August 31st. The day before, in Reliance Stadium on August 30th, we got my Houston Cougars playing Southern Jaguars, Doc's number seven preseason team in, in the rankings. That's a preseason ranking. Doc, have you changed it since last week or anything new in the top ten? There is something new that needs to be pointed out. No changes, but something that's very critical and may sit home for some of the people in this area. I had North Carolina Central, the Eagles, at number six. Well, many of them may have or may not have heard of, but head coach Henry Frazier III has been dismissed. You remember last year around this time, he got in some trouble in terms of altercation with the wife uh, that really uh, was difficult for a lot of us in this area to imagine that Frazier could do such a thing. But it did happen. It is on the record. He was luckily retained and supported by North Carolina Central as something that negatively branded the university, no matter how true or false or how detailed it was. Well, let's see what happened. This past Monday, he was arrested again in violation of that. Now, most people say, man, how do you do that twice, put your hands on your wife or what have you in terms of what's going on? In this case, while it was a violation, it was not in terms of him putting the hands on her. This way blows some people away, but it lets you know how sensitive you must be when you get under these types of court orders. He uh, actually was writing a letter, which he says at this time is how he communicates with his uh, ex-wife, if you would, in terms of giving a letter to his son. And in the letter, it stated that uh, he paid for the tickets that either his daughter or his ex-wife received and that he was going to take it out of the alimony. Well, she obviously seen that as a threat, and she told the court order, and I guess under the court order's eyes, that is the case. It was such a threat, and so for that, he was... uh locked up in terms of that, and when it got to North Carolina Central and the officials there, uh, they felt they had a no-tolerance policy, and they uh, actually suspended him with pay uh, on Wednesday, and then subsequently on Thursday, they had fully decided in terms of all those, the powers that be that made the decision to dismiss Frazier. So Frazier is no longer the coach of the North Carolina Central Eagles, so in my eyes, that would change in terms of where they would be in the top ten. He is a master motivator. He had a lot of talent going back, and as you see me having him at number six, that was part of the reasons that that was going on, so that is not the case. So that is an update, updated report there. The whole preseason will remain intact. At this point, I will not make any changes, but I would tell you, if I would known this prior to the preseason poll coming out, it definitely would have made attention, and I'm not sure I would have had North Carolina Central even in the top ten to let you know how major a factor that would be. Now, getting back to your point with Southern Jaguars in terms of what they may do with the U of H, let's give you those same type of things that we gave to everybody else. Record-wise, they were 4-7 and seven on the season last year, 3-6 and six in the SWAC. They are picked to finish second by the coaches, also in terms of Dr. Seville's analysis on the SWAC. I have them at number two, right? Ahead of Prairie View. Now that's going to be a top race there, but uh, let's see. In terms of key losses, they Mike Berry, wide receiver, Charles Hawkins, wide receiver, no longer on the team. Chris Brown, offensive lineman, uh, Sylvester Nuzike. In terms of running back, solid running back, he's gone. Levi Jackson, defensive back, and Corey Roy, the linebacker. These all guys have exhausted their eligibility, so no longer are eligible to participate. This is under the head coach, Dawson Odom, as he returns seven on the offensive side and eight on the defensive side, so pretty solid there. Special team-wise, he has two returning. So that lets you go. So what are some of the people to watch out for? Big-time Trey Joseph at the quarterback position. If they have any chance to make it interesting against the UH Cougars, he will have to get the job done. 
Les Dawson's the guy he's going to try to connect with to put some points on the board at the receiver position. Dwayne Houston, offensive lineman, he's going to have to block fiercely against that Houston Cougar defensive line to get some things done. Bradley Coleman, tight end, is that safety vest that might get some big-time action this week. Anthony Balancer is a linebacker. D-Train Lindsay, also a linebacker that will have to find a way to get it done on the defensive side of the ball to try to slow down what Houston Cougars want to do as they try to go on offensive attack. Also back there on the defensive side, people coming back, Virgil Williams, defensive back and a run specialist. Uh, he was a SWAC preseason team player, if you would, Jonathan, Jonathan, excuse me, Mack, a defensive back also there. So that's what I think uh, you have in terms of what may be interesting to watch in terms of Southern. I don't think it will be enough. I think U of H will get it done. And after the third, fourth quarter, they'll stretch it away and it won't really be that close. All right. And, and a few days ago, uh, Houston Cougars head coach Tony Levine announced what I thought <clears throat> was a no-brainer. I mean, he would announce. I'm not saying I'm happy with it, but I thought it was a no-brainer anyway. And he would name David Pylon the starting quarterback for the Cougars, junior quarterback David Pylon. I was kind of hoping that the freshman John O'Corn would be named starting quarterback. But both QBs are expected to play in Friday's game versus Southern. Wildcat, what, what say you, sir? Well, he had, he basically had no choice. Um, what it all boiled down to was they want to give Pylon the, the, since he's the guy with the experience, they want to give him his shot and all at the job. But, um, in no uncertain terms, and Coach didn't phrase it this way, this is just me, um, it's pretty much he's on a short leash. Uh, look for a change to come mid-season. I would say around the uh, first or second week of October that uh, the freshman will probably be the starting quarterback to finish that season. And I am going on on uh, uh, on air to say point right on record, however you all want to put it. Uh, but U of H will get uh, about eight wins this season. Oh, that's easy. Only because. The, the schedule will, will play out that play way. It, it, it'll, play in, it'll play in their favor. And and that's what it's going to all boil down to. Uh, Rice, I'm looking for them to, to have a, uh, eight to nine win season this year. On well, conference wise, how many wins is that in the conference? You see two non-conference, three non-conference wins? Yeah. Um, five, five, five conference wins. Uh, the teams that are, that are coming in are not really that great. And then the, the other thing, a lot of teams haven't seen the style of, of offense that, that U of H plays on a weekly basis. Okay. As you know, teams from that area, they're still just like the Big Ten. Uh, they want to grind it out. You know, in the SEC, they, they want to grind it out also. That's one of the reasons why folks are not too really happy of seeing it, uh, A&M back in the conference this year, as long as the Manziel is, is still a quarter which hopefully we'll get around to that. Hopefully that will get resolved and all because that day is coming. Tuesday is the uh, media day for for A&M, and it'll be interesting what has to be said from uh, Coach Sumlin, from the uh, A&M um, administration, and from Manziel himself, if he speaks. But I do know this for sure. He definitely he went and gave uh, did an autograph situation uh, deal this, this past week, and Solid. 500. Uh, don't know what, you know, how it was arranged or whatever, but it happened. I can tell you how it was arranged. Thanks to one of my poets' friends. Uh, Saturday night, he told me about he's an Aggie. He said he's going to A&M and had uh, students where there was a, it was a meet the Aggies situation where uh, fans, students, alums, what have you, could uh, line up to get autographs and 
from specific players. And, of course, Donovan Manziel was one of them. And my friend told me that the line for Manziel wrapped around the stadium. And uh, he was told that the line was so long, and the, the autograph session was roughly, it was time, maybe an hour, two hours. The line was so long that they began going into the line at a certain point. We're not sure we're going to get to this point. We're not sure you're going to be able to get, get your autograph. So if you want to stay here, in this line you're taking a chance. You want to go get a smoke autograph, feel free to do so. It was him and another friend of his. He went and got another autograph. His friend stayed in the line for Manziel. Line moved up, hour and a half, hour and a half. He moved up, moved up, moved up. Didn't get an autograph. That's how long the line was for Manziel. So that's where things are. But since we're talking about everything's tied in nicely here, we had this, had a HBCU tie-in with Labor Day Classic, U.S. playing Southern. You're a right side of the playing the Aggies on August 31st. It's going to be close. You know what? To be honest with you, no. I don't think so. I'm looking for a, uh, three to four touchdowns only because everybody's be out to prove a point this week. Uh, Rice will be out to prove their point, and U of H will be out to prove, I mean, not U of H, uh, A&L will be out to prove that. But I look for the, the first half to be something that folks weren't expecting. I look for it to be a game. Uh, Rice has experience at the quarterback. A&M has experience at the quarterback. But the other thing is Rice finally has some consistency at the coaching uh, positions, and guys have adjusted well, and they are out playing. I mean, they are expecting this game uh, on both sides, but Rice more so because it's been a while since they played A&M at Kyle Field. It's always been the other way around. You know, even here uh, at Rice Stadium, always relying on the you know, uh, neutral site. Everybody's waiting with bated breath on what transpires on Tuesday more than they are tomorrow, which is Rice Media Football Media Day for the start of the season. And it'll be interesting uh, what Coach Bailiff has to say, uh, what uh, Taylor Harris has to say as quarterback. But uh, it's the hours are excited. Football is about to begin. The season starts at a and we're all waiting. And I say that we because it's, It'll be it, it, the city is waiting for football to get started here in this area. The only thing is that that game is particular, even though it's the biggest game in the area, it's on the road and it's Saturday. And your your U of H Cougars play Friday night Southern at Reliance. Hopefully a crowd is out, um, and I, I mean that's on the serious side because folks. We're about to get that get to the crossroads with a lot of things because of social media, online access to games, uh, ticket prices. Uh, inconvenience is probably the biggest word that, that's being uh, tallied around by everyone as far as getting to and from a game, being involved in the parking lot. But the tailgating is, is what everybody gets involved in and what they love more than, than the game itself in some, in, in some areas. I'm glad you brought that up. I actually had a student uh, at Texas Southern University that did a summer research project, uh, which is an extension of one I did two years ago for Texas Southern University in terms of football game attendance and looking at the consumer's attitude and just happened to come across an article in the uh, journal, Sports Business Journal, that talked about that issue in terms of fan attendance. Uh, in the wildly popular SEC, they have noticed a tendency decrease over the last four years, particularly at a particular 
uh, age group, if you would, the college student level. And they were trying to see what kind of connection in terms of a, uh, what we call in the business consumer attachment. How do you uh, get consumers? And you talk about these issues with price points, which is an excellent point. But another thing they noticed, as you talked about these new groups of fans in social media, one of the things they pointed out in the study was just that. And it was part and partial part about the inconvenience, if you would, going to the game and parking, but what was more uh, entertainment value for me or interest for me that they felt there was a connection in terms of how much quality now you can get with watching your game at home in terms of your big screen TV for so many people get it with the price point. You have a lot of people, even of college age, that have nice-sized televisions in their dorm room or access to them in different places and how they can still connect and talk with their social friends and with their friends on social media platforms and things of that nature. So now they're trying to, uh, the SBC, because they have the monetary means to do it in terms of making their stadium more social media friendly such that when fans go to the game that they can connect and talk to a friend that's on the other side of the stadium and ask them, did you see that play? They also have the new uh, platform where if there's a controversial field, play on the field, you know, it was outlawed at one time that you couldn't show it on the screen. They went away from that because they said if fans can see it at home, our fans in the stands should be able to see it because that makes them come to the game. And the other thing that they have a major concern on, which may be an issue with some of these cross-divisional matchups we talked about with teams such as Southern playing U of H, is that fans, uh, in terms of their price point, while they'll watch it at home, they're not going to games that they don't see as preeminent matchups. So that will be interesting to follow as you get into this four-team matchup. Well, some of it will be dictated into the power of your schedule, but you also have a price point concern now with not being able to sell out your stadium. Well, I bring that back home to what we're talking about with Houston and everything. How do you deal with that issue in terms of understanding uh, what are you going to make it your stadium? How are you going to get people, fans in the stands? New construction, that's one thing, and beautiful facilities whether you're playing at the new one that's going to be at U of H or playing at BBVA Compass Stadium or Reliance, you're going to have to really understand your social media connections and how do you make this fan friendly to your friends at a price point that they're willing to pay. You know, you just mentioned something that uh, was talked about yesterday with uh, HBU about that. Um, there's a question on whether that would be a packed house at the uh, Sam Houston State game, only because of what we discussed. HBU has been a new kid coming into the conference. Sam Houston State just coming off a, uh, a national championship run last year. Uh, their particular fans, they're, they're asking the question, you know, well, what's the big deal? Right. You know, it's just the, the new kid on the block. They coming in to get to play. They're going to get beat. No, it's a very, your point is, it's an excellent question when you really start to understand fan thinking. Because part of your way that you had the strategy to get Sam Houston new fans is to start looking at key matchups. So now they have a base, a knowledge of where they think they are as a program. They think they are championship level ready. So they really geared, geared up for championship level football. So to say that you're going to play this new team, your thought process is how is a new program supposed to match up with us? So in a fan's eye, it's not supposed to happen. 
So now as a media part, a marketing person, in terms of media driven, they have to find a new strategy, how to market that game to entice fans and say, you need to be in here and it could be about something else. Uh, to market it, but you can't keep the same strategy. And that's why when we look at the business of sport in terms of marketing, it's really in, uh, important to know all these key factors now. You know, it's, it's, I guess we're going to, that's something we talk on on a, on a weekly basis because in our community, that's pretty much the number one that's rule. You know, how much is it going to cost me to get my family, or take my family to a game? Uh, it's, it's, it's venturing down from the pro, the pro level and it's starting to venture down into the high school. Basically because if I can afford it, it comes down to transportation. I'm going to get my kid to the game and then back home. It's not about a safety, back, uh, safety situation. It's about, you know, affordability. affordability. You know, and it's, it's, uh, it's, it's we're getting, getting that point now with our, with our uh, so-called gladiator sports that we love to see. But if everything, because the, the new rule that came out in UIL this year, a lot more games are going to be placed on TV. Because of the fact that folks want the, uh, the uh, UIL wants the uh, playoff games, they want more, more exposure. And with these super stadiums that are being built on the high school level, it's interesting because you know Allen has that big place, and now Kate is talking about putting another facility right next to the bear, uh, to, to that place. It's going to be interesting. You know, that's a lot, a lot of money that you put to put into the tax base, but you hadn't basically looked at down the road. How can I keep my particular fans coming engaged. I think it's a tricky situation. It's very important because, again, you, at the end of the day, you're talking about this is entertainment. And some people get a little touchy when you talk about amateurism and entertainment. But at the end of the day, in terms of how fans look at this, it is about entertainment. So when you're entertainment, it's about somebody's entertainment dollar. How much are they willing to spend to partake in the entertainment they're watching? which means you're also competing, particularly in Houston, uh, a metropolitan city that has every conceivable type of entertainment out there. You're actually competing with each of those entertainment values, whether it's the movie, the opera, all these additional things, the zoo and all that stuff. So that's what you're competing against. So they have to really understand what is going on, and they're basically trading the financial windfall of television money with maybe what you're going to have in the stands in terms of attendance. We're going to piggyback on basketball. My my sport, this is a bigger factor, or more problematic, because Houston and Texas is still football. Football is king. And you gentlemen are talking about the problems that the football teams and schools are having with attendance. So just imagine how schools on the basketball side will have problems. We'll talk about that in a, in a second. But, Doc, how can folks find you on the Internet, and who are you, sir? Yes, I'm Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. I am a professor of sports management at Texas Southern University, a full-time faculty and assistant professor. In terms of growing the sports management program, we offer a Bachelor of Science in Sports Management. On, at the undergraduate level, we're looking at moving to a master level. And part of our platform is to provide more diverse uh, student body behaviors in terms of the business and sports management. So such issues that we're talking about here can be dealt with from all individuals across the landscape, seeing uh, cognitively and comprehensively what kind of decisions need to be going in in terms of the sports business. Also, you can find me on Facebook and Twitter, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A, 
C-A-V-I-L. Again, that's Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. One last thing is you can find my data and information in terms of the poll and a weekly release in terms of HBCUs, the mid-major and mid-major top ten polls as they release weekly and big games of the week. You can see those on College Sporting News as well as TSPNSports.com. Go into the blog, get into your discussion, and let me know your feedback. I'm on several different media outlets to give you the information that you say you want on HBCU Sports, so let me know. And Wildcat, who are you, sir? I can post find you. You can find me at this acronym, A-K-S-V-B-C-S-R, on Twitter, blogger, YouTube. So I am the Swift Ward Wildcat. Talking basketball. Uh, the Wright Styles are, are going to begin their 100th season of basketball. They announced their schedule for 13, 14. No offense to Coach Braun and, and uh, his people. We're going to touch on them more as the season gets closer. But Rice will be playing U of A as part of a double hitter on December 21st in Toyota Center. There will be a press conference Monday. And Toyota Center to announce that or discuss more in detail about it. The Houston Showcase as it's being billed. That will be the first game, I believe, of a double hitter. And then the Aggies will host Oklahoma in the second game of the doubleheader. And I'm assuming this is part of the same group of folks who had this at Reliant last year, and it and it just failed visually. There was like only a thousand folks there in Reliant Stadium, football stadium, to see the Longhorns play UCLA in men's women's basketball uh, doubleheader. That game was not marketed nor attended very well at all. So if this is the same group of folks, maybe they learned their lesson with smaller venues at Field Center and will market it a little bit better. But Rice Styles announced their schedule first year in the bigger conference USA as Wildcat can talk talk about. Uh, I think I struck a nerve here. You want to have something to say, sir? No. I, the only reason I'm having something to say is because it's not the first time that Rice has played in a 16-team uh, uh, conference. They were in the uh, aforementioned the Big Whack at this uh, during that period when the, the that was the first breakup of conference and break, what I call breakdown, uh, of <laughs> South, Southwest Conference, uh, sports. Uh, first there was Arkansas that left and then there was a threat of everyone else. Uh, and then for whatever reason, everybody felt it was okay to combine the Big Eight at that time as they were known. And the, uh, four mentioned what was left of, uh, of a couple of schools out of the Southwest Conference combined to make it the Big 12. And, uh, right in your race, uh, being honest about this, were left to fend for themselves as far as the conference and trying to find a home. Uh, two bad things didn't work out like we uh, hoped they w- would have. Eventually they found themselves back in the same conference, but once again, uh, there was a split and there was a move on before, as we say, we must keep moving forward. Uh, but 16 team uh, situation, especially in uh, uh, certain sports, not in all uh, this upcoming season, in a conference USA, it'll be interesting how this all transpires with all these teams attempting to play themselves in a game by game situation as a home and home away, uh, travel because they, if I'm not mistaken, in the new basketball schedule, everybody has mentioned how the, uh, which day of the week their, uh, the game will be played because I understand the conference, conference USA has changed that normal, uh, what is it, Thursday, Saturday, uh, situation for men and women instead of, uh, alternating 
instead of playing on the same days, they'll be alternating. So it'll be interesting how that all works out. Everybody hasn't sent their full schedule out. Conference has uh, has uh, sent out that the, the new composite schedule. I hadn't had a chance to check it out, but I will uh, because right now I am focused on football. Basketball is down the road, and I found it kind of interesting that basketball people would make a decision to schedule a press conference on the same day that uh, football media in Conference USA uh, is being done, especially with the coaches having their first uh, teleconference scheduled for tomorrow. And along with that, when you look at uh, basketball, uh, taking it back another local institution with Texas Southern University uh, in terms of HBCU program, had a pretty big announcement this week in terms of landing former West Virginia embattled big man Eric Murray, uh, who, as I said, will join Texas Southern University basketball player. He's 6'11", so that's a pretty huge, big sign in terms of they can uh, get him to participate uh, with the attitude on the field, uh, look for, again, Texas Southern University as well as Southern University to really ballot it out in the swack in terms of who will be the top program to make a run at the uh, NCAA tournament bid. I'm glad you touched on Mr. Murray, Doc. Everything is fitting in nicely through this podcast, as we always seem to manage to get it done like that. But uh, Eric Murray was announced Friday. He's, he's decided to play with Texas Southern. He's 24 years old. He's had problems in the past. This TSU will be his third school. Initially, he started at LaSalle, and uh, he was dismissed from LaSalle after averaging roughly 15.7 rebounds his first two years in LaSalle. And surprisingly enough, after he was dismissed, LaSalle had a, a better season in his absence. So um, his chemistry problem, it was addition by subtraction. He's had problems off the court. He's had problems with the law. So he's had problems that uh, West Virginia was dismissed by Bob Huggins. As we know, Bob Huggins' track record when he was coached at Cincinnati, he, he likes fellas. He, he has dealt with fellas with, with hard edges before. So for him to dismiss Eric Murray kind of gives you an indication of Huggy being fed up. So maybe Eric is more of a problem that we really know about. However, to his credit, Eric's been here in, in Houston working with John Lucas, Wildcat, and uh, my colleague and friend and associate. We've known for years, and we know Luke doesn't take any crap from anybody. If, if you want some help, he'll give you that help if you're willing to put in the work, time, and effort. So the fact that Eric has spent time with Luke and I think has hopefully grown up and matured some is a good sign for Coach Davis at CSU. And as we all know, a dominant, skilled big man is very rare in the SWAC. Yeah, at any level, particularly in the SWAC, uh, until you go back to maybe the 70s, you, you probably haven't seen big men in the SWAC. Maybe the most dominant ones were out of the 60s, to let you know just how long ago that was, uh, when you're talking about uh, almost 50 years, probably, since you've had that type of player. But as you talk about Eric Murray, uh, there are some different, definite questions. That issue that you were talking about back with the LaSalle was in 2011, and he was charged with marijuana possession. Now, unfortunately for a lot of men, young men, they get involved with that, and that's not to excuse it, but that's to let you know what that uh, case was. But he got that second chance. He got it with Bob Huggins, who, as you said, is an individual that many people think uh, can work with uh, what we would call troubled individuals. And he was dismissed 
for discipline and violations in terms of teams. So now he's with Coach Mike Davis, uh, who's a very level-headed guy, and uh, Coach Lucas took him in. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, what type of attitude he's going to bring with the Tigers and will he disrupt the attitude that the Tigers have now in terms of being a, a team at the top and very seldom. What he brings in terms of the numbers, uh, when he was at West Virginia, he averaged 8.8 points, 5.9 rebounds, and one point block for West Virginia, uh, which came out to a campaign of 13 and 19. That was back for the 2012-13 season. He was 6-11. Shot blocking forward is where they have him basically position at. So it'll be interesting, like you said, when he transferred at LaSalle, he averaged 15.2 points and 7.7 rebounds as a sophomore back in those days. So those are some of the numbers to let you know why Coach Davis might have taken this risk, uh, as we can see in terms of there's some questions. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see. This is the Tiger team that came off a 16-2 and conference run in the SWAC. Uh, they were barred from postseason play because of APR penalties of the previous coach. Uh, they are eligible this year to go to the tournament. They have a very solid program, as we said, right down the road at Southern University, who's going to look at every way to beat them. So it'll be interesting to see. He has some other talented guys coming in in terms of Texas Southern University. So it'll be very interesting to see how he fits into these groups of, of returning players and some freshmen uh, coming in out of the Dallas area. And Eric Murray, it's in no way to, to uh, criticize or badmouth the young man because many of us made mistakes and it's important to not make the same ones again and learn from those mistakes. Absolutely. But uh, when he was 16, the school he attended was Glenn Mills School. It was a school. I didn't know this. It was just some research. It was a school for court-adjudicated delinquents. No delinquents of high school age. His problem in school, he was there because of truancy. Right. He didn't, he just he didn't like to go to school. But he graduated from West Virginia. So he got his degree. Yes, sir. So he, he's now at TSU with one year of eligibility to play. So kudos to him for getting his college degree. Because as we all know, a lot of us that's difficult. Don't do that. So he has matured enough to get a college degree. So uh, kudos to him for putting forth effort and time. Hopefully he has learned from his off-court mistakes and won't disrupt the chemistry on the court for TSU. And I hope and uh, believe, I choose to believe, that the TSU alums and students will come out and see Coach Davis and the basketball team this year. Uh, so I, I think everybody's expecting big things from the team this year based on last season. That's and right. all the, the Promotion and exposure they're getting right now in the summertime for the coming season. So it's big things are on the horizon for the team this year. We're talking about Eric Murray transferring to TSU uh, on a. Chris, can I give a couple sure, of quotes oh, just to kind of yes, uh, fill in the gaps there? Because I think you're making some excellent points in terms of this. And on paper, he said the right thing. So let's see if this actually comes to fruition. And just to let you know, maybe some of his mindset has changed. Uh, he quoted with saying, first, I want to thank my mom, family, and team for all their support, end quote. He also stated, quote, I'm very fortunate to be afforded the opportunity to be mentored by Coach John Lucas while I attend Texas Southern University. Although this is not the road I expected to take, this journey will be undoubtedly to support my goals long term. Lastly, he stated, I also feel that being mentored by Coach Lucas and Coach Mike Davis will support my mission to be the best Eric Murray I can be, end quote. So those are some of the things. He's saying the right things in the paper. Let's see if he'll actually do the right thing. And he's talented. Come out of high school, he was the fifth-ranked center in, in the country. So he had skills. No question about that. Just question him 
being mature enough to deal with everything off the court and play well and keep chemistry on the court. I can transfer now another a school from oh down the street from TSU, my Houston Cougars. L.J. Rose was cleared by the NCAA to uh, play for the Cougars this season, 13-14 season. After transferring from Baylor, he got the clearance basically. I guess want to call it a hardship or whatever, a waiver due to to, uh, uh, his mom's health issues, and he wanted to transfer home and uh, be closer to her. Wildcat, you and I saw L.J. Rose play when he was at Westbury Christian Department High School. When personally, personally, I'll let Wildcat say for himself, personally, I think his talent peaked in high school. He is a 6'4 point guard, kind of like to score more than he probably would want as a point guard, but he's a strong young man. Probably close to 200 pounds now. He wasn't great in Baylor. He was hyped tremendously sophomore, junior year in high school, and then kind of plateaued and uh, won't get any issues about what happened there. You know, he could have read the press settings and stopped working hard and, you know, whatever. He didn't have a great year, especially at Baylor. But him being at U of H will go to uh, going along with Daniel House and Dan Red, Chicken Knoll, and Tayshawn Thomas. The Cougars will have four of the top 100 recruits from that class now playing on the basketball team with Coach Dickey this season. So I'm expecting big things from the Cougars this year, and big things, I mean, going to the tournament. I'm not going as far as the NCAA tournament, but NIT, definitely. I'm not worried about the CBA, CBI tournament, all the other left-of-known tournaments. If it's not the NIT, then it's time for somebody else to be part of the program. Because there is talent on this on this, this year's squad, top to bottom. But Wildcats, you look at me like I'm crazy. Give me a thought for another role, sir. <laughs> you know I'm waiting on that. You know I'm waiting on that. Now, I'm really, you know, that's the first time I've heard that out of your mouth that you will actually accept them going to the NIT. <laughs> I, do, I don't know what's going on with you. you was it the rain, the weather, or what? I'm not accepting it. Yes, you are. Huh? I'm not accepting it. <laughs> I want to get into the big tournament. Okay. But, I don't hear that out of your mouth the other time. I expect. The NIT. I hope for the NCAA tournament. Well, I want to say I ain't about hope on this one because at some point you got to get there. Now I understand the part of the situation and all that that, that, that that has gone on, especially the last two years and all that over the year eight. But that government, you're not on the clock anymore. I'm looking at you with open eyes, and I've got a, a pen in my hand and paper in front of me. And I'm about to write you off because enough time has been given for the U of A Cougars men's basketball to get to the NC2A. Uh, it shouldn't wait until you've been given an ultimatum as what happened with the last coach and you get there by hook up crook, uh, lucky, however it happened, it just happened. Well, this time around, you're not in that situation. Because, if I'm not mistaken, UConn comes to town when? Uh, like, what, New Year's or New Year's Eve? If I'm, if New Year's Eve, yes, sir. It'll all right, now. Year's it'll be interesting how many, first of all, how many folks actually show up. But secondly, to watch that team come in here and, and would I see the same thing happen the last time UConn came to town? When they came with the rice and some. It rolls over the aisles. In the second half. Yeah, it was better than that. Oh, yeah. Now, would I be looking at a rollover through the whole game, you know, from, from beginning to end, or would it be 
a change in all of, of, of mentality and have time to straighten it out. The offense will be packed. That's really? Right. You hope? You hope not. Well, you hope. alums like to see big time programs. You know, they kind of hop on. They don't really support, go out and support the school regardless of opponent. They will probably come see UConn because it's a big name and doesn't come see Louisville because that's a big name but also defend the champions. But we I mean, just touch on it right now. The, the American. The Act. The Act. The AAC. Until they show themselves right now. I'm going back to the Act. There's basketball schedule for the fellas. Uh, earlier this week, a few days ago, and personally, you know, I'm a proud, diehard cougar, but the non-conference schedule is crap. It's up. We got at Texas Pan American, yeah. home game versus UTSA. That's not a, that's not a name program people want to come see, especially the Fairweather alumnus that we have here. And I say that we, I, I am a cougar. I know where we are. I know how we think. Home game, part of the Legends Classic. Home game versus Lehigh. Home game versus Howard. It's not going to draw well. It's part of the whole practice where the Cougars will be going to Brooklyn and play Stanford and then the winner of the Pittsburgh Penn State game in the Brooklyn Center. Part of all the last part of the Legend Classic. But Lehigh Howard, you know, and in Portland Christie, our good friend Willis Wilson, the head coach over there, I'll find that kind of draw people, some people in play. You know, they say, no. Alcorn State, no. That's the home game that I'll find on They'll play right at the other center. That'll probably draw decently. But in the, in the size up daughter center of 18,000 capacity, they'd be lucky to get eight. That means the low bowl would be over Well, hopefully. I'm pretty sure they'd be wiser not to, to have the upper bowl curtained off or whatever. Not sure. Oh, you're going to have to be curtained off. I don't, I don't see about 10,000. I don't see about eight. You know, you, know, you, know. you just count the fact that the Aggies and Zoom will be probably double headed. It might draw. Well, no, 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 that even. You know, no, in December in Houston to be Aggies and Zoom. Like that as a reason. 
Now I know because Coach Brown coached my Pistons and helped him, got him to a championship. He is hard, hard, hard on point guard. And he, I mean, he played point guard in college, played point guard in his ABA career. He's a very good point guard. He is very, he is extremely hard on point guard. So I hope man don't realize what he's getting himself into. Because, but if, but if he can handle the, the ridicule and the constructive criticism, it'll make him a better player and really help him, uh, in his pro career for sure. And SMU is part of the American, the act, as the Wildcat likes to say, but they're raising the bar for the Texas team, SMU and U of H, for recruiting and for competing in the conference. So the Cooper's got to keep that up if they want to be part of that second tier of behind Connecticut and Cincinnati and upper tier. This year, it'll be probably, uh, you know, Louisville is the favorite in the conference, Louisville and Cincinnati. Those guys, Memphis, of course, that's the top four teams in the conference. U of H and SMU will be battling off for that middle tier. So we'll see how things go there. But per- personally, for it being August, we've had a lot of basketball things to discuss and mention it. And I'm very happy that while you, all you football fellas are talking about August. No, on the field, on the field. I will admit that's true because that doesn't normally happen here in the city of Houston. You know, that much basketball information and that much basketball going on, whether on the college or the pro level. Uh, I got one, uh, uh, two, I agree final, with that. two final scores and I'll be done with the mic today. Georgia 2, U of H 0, North Texas 1, HBU 0, women's soccer, that's it for the day. Uh, the U of H game, which, for whatever reason, I don't know what happened, I have talked to Coach Fowles out there, only had one shot on goal today in 90 minutes. That's not good. 90 minutes, <laughs> that's not good at all. But must be a lot defense for Georgia, I guess. Oh! Maybe the rain got him. I don't know. Bad weather could have got him, but yeah, uh, you know, like you said, it wasn't a lot of playing on the offensive side of the ball. Give me this back. I went and watched a monsoon last year with Baylor and HBU. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. Wrap it up, folks. Talk to folks find it on the internet. They can find it by acronym AKSVCSR. I'm on Twitter. YouTube, blogger, and folks, stop by. Give us a look, a, a, a look and a listen to, because once this podcast is posted, once again, it'll be another good week in, 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 your, in your life. But one more thing, you're making a trip this week, aren't you, sir? Oh, yeah. Uh, that's the other thing. On next Sunday, I'll figure out some kind of way. Well, we, we, we'll, we'll all figure it out some kind of way now that we've upgraded our uh, technology and everything. I'll be out of town uh, on a uh, video shoot in the state of Louisiana, and I was uh, and it's what's going on. So, to chat with that, I'm hoping to have a uh, safe trip and get back with you all in two weeks. How can folks find you, sir? Yeah, definitely. One thing I do before we close it out, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't make this point, and I'll tie it in terms of sports. Uh, this being the 50th uh, anniversary of the I Dream. I have a dream speech uh, by uh, MLK. I think it's important to acknowledge that uh, yesterday was the 24th date, uh, August the 24th. And so 50 years ago. So in sports, what was going on 50 years ago? Oddly enough, in 1963, Prairie v a Panthers won their fourth national championship in terms of HBC sports. They had a record of 10-1 and 1 and 0. 
it was actually the second to the last one they would win at this time. They would turn around and win it again the following year in 64, which was their fifth uh, national championship under William Billy Nix, and they haven't won a championship, national championship since. Obviously, they've won the SWAT championship uh, just a couple of years ago in 2009. But that just gives you a little sense of the history in terms of going down memory lane, and I'll try to provide a little more of this uh, in terms of the weeks to come to give you an update in terms of what I call HBCU sports, our history is, our heritage, our brand, all culture, our unity, our life story. So I like to provide that sense. But how do you get in contact with me? Again, Facebook or Twitter, follow me, like me. That's Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A, C-A-V-I-L, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A, C-A-V-I-L. Follow me and read my reports on the College Sporting Use, tspnsports.com uh, internet sites. You can send me an email directly at kcavil, that's K-C-A-V-I-L at th-agency.com. And I'll send you some information of where else you can listen to my reports to get up, uh, up to date feedback, particularly on HBCU sports during the year. Thank you for your time, gentlemen. As always, Bob, thank you very much. College football season begins on August 29th. Yay. First game in the area will be August 30th. I believe that's the first game for everybody in the area. It will be U of H and Southern at Reliance. Then you got the three games uh, on Saturday. We've got Rice and A&M at Kyle Field. Able to Classic at the BBVA compensating between TSU and Prairie View. And then HBU will get rocked in their football opener versus San Diego State also on Saturday. But that's to be expected. It's the first game, new program, going against the two-time finalist in the FTS. But football is back. With football being back, I mean, basketball is not far behind. So I'm happy about all those great things. Thank you, as always, for your contribution to the podcast. And though in October, Media Day will be upon us for college basketball. The Wildcat and myself are trying to work some things out. And if they, if they go well, I think the podcast people will be, will be very impressed by what we are trying to accomplish. And if we pull it off, I think it'll be a good thing for all of us involved, especially uh, uh, Houston basketball fans and Cougars, because Media Day is in Connecticut, and Media Day for the women, and Media Day is in Memphis for the fellas. Let's just say, if things go well, things go well. And you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, don't worry about it. Come October, middle of October, you'll find out. Just keep listening to the podcast. Thank you, as always. It'll be, we'll probably have Instagram accounts by then, in, by October. My uh, Twitter account is T-H-E-H-R Review. Also, I have the Round Ball Review Facebook fan page. We're off on iTunes. I'm going to try something else, another outlet. On SoundCloud, for the podcast, look for the podcast on SoundCloud. Something new, something different. Don't forget about the Houston Round Ball Review website at HoustonRoundBallReview.com. Thank you as always for listening. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Please tell your friends about the podcast. We're trying to give you information that you may not get elsewhere and in our own unique format. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.